Pediatric Junkies. Welcome back to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Miller. Today, our special guest is Janine Gunn, the treasurer of the board of the APTA. I am so excited for you all to listen to this as Janine is just full of great wisdom and leadership advice and somebody who has inspired me and I aspire to be. So with that, let's jump right in. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. Today, we're here with Janine Gunn, who is the treasurer of the APTA board. So Janine, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm I'm really excited to speak with you and all the other listeners. Thank you for the invitation. Awesome. Well, if Janine, could you just give us a quick introduction on um, who you are and how long have you been with the APTA board? Sure. So I have been on the APTA board for 10 years. I was a two times a director, so that was a total of five years, and now I'm in my second term as treasurer in my fifth year, and I've got about a year and a half left, so um, I am, when Sharon Dunn retired, she hit her term limit here in December. I'm the oldest sitting board member at this point in time, and I still sometimes feel like a newbie, but um, it's been an excellent journey, and I I tell everyone my journey with not only the APTA board, but all the things that I did with our profession to get here. It is my most rewarding experience as a mentor, as a leader, and as a learner. I've, I've gained a lot of new skill sets. I love that. Let's talk about that journey a little bit and like how you've kind of grown as a leader. What has your journey looked like between starting out as a new PT and then where you are now? in regards to leadership and different positions you may have held? Um, well, I've been a PT for 30 years. So it, um, I always tell people it started out in my head. I, I had opportunities because I didn't say no. And I think now reflecting on this podcast, I didn't say no because I loved it. So the, the journey, I was a um, high school teacher before I was a PT. Oh, so okay. in undergrad, I was exposed to some leadership opportunities in education. And then when I got into PT school, I was at USC with Helen Hislop. So if anyone doesn't know Helen, go look for her Macmillan lecture in 1976. It's relevant today. She scared me. I mean, she was an icon and here I'm going to PT school across the country. I lived in Indiana and I moved to California. Um, and what I learned from her, she pushed, she pushed me and a few others as hard to be a leader as she did other people to be clinical. Um, this probably doesn't sound great, but I remember one conversation with her where she said, you're going to be a good PT, but you're going to be a great leader. And I walked away thinking, was that a compliment or not? <laughs> but I mean, she knew something I didn't. Where I've ended up, I haven't been a practitioner for the last 12 years. So I have migrated that way. But anyway, she allowed, um, she allowed myself and classmates to start a uh, PT um, class group. We invited other schools and then she just kept nudging me. So I've lived in four states so and belong to four different chapters and held leadership roles in each. They are all different. So any of you that are in your first um, chapter know that if and when you move, because it's kind of what happens in today's world, that um, each one has its own personality and its own people. So I started my career after California and Minnesota, 
And I just went to a conference and I said, what do you have? And they said, oh, we have public relations. And I'm thinking, I hate public, I mean, PR. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just like, that's not for me, but I'm like, well, maybe I'll meet some people. And I did, and it really wasn't the thing that fueled me. And then ended up back in California and had an opportunity to be on the California chapter board really early in my career. I was early 30s and that fueled me. And the place that I started in my board role was around conference planning, bringing people together, really using my personality for connections. And it allowed me to reach out to big name speakers around the country trying to get our conference ready every year. So it pushed me out of a comfort zone to reach out to people that I thought were just icons and then asking them if they'd come teach, it was awesome. So that, that helped me. So being on the California board, the next thing that happens is, you know, PTs. I fell in love with my husband on a dance Florida <laughs> PT conference. So, and he didn't live in California. So I end up from California, moving to Cincinnati, Ohio, and once again going, okay, wow, I just had this really cool experience early in my career on the California board, and now I'm in Ohio, and I'm like knocking on the, the chapter door saying, do you have anything? And they're like, well, no, but we've got to revamp our entire continuing education um, process and how we do CEUs, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm organized. I don't, it doesn't sound great, but at least it'll put me in the chapter office, you know, once a month. I did it. And so what happens is I end up running their conferences and then I became treasurer and then I became president just by, you know, you've got to say yes to a couple things that are kind of like, eh, but then it helps you figure out what you want. And then from there, uh, our kids, our, and we became empty nesters and we picked our head up thinking we were going back to California, made a wrong turn and ended up in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> and now we're here. Um, my husband owned a practice for a while. I'm in my professional home. And when we moved to Washington is about within a year is when I ran for the APTA board of directors. So it was just these little pieces and along the way, because I met people nationally, people tapping me on the shoulder to say, hey, there's an APTA committee. So it goes from your chapter stuff to there's an APTA committee, or I'm part of the private practice section. And they're like, hey, we need somebody to help us with our conferences. So that kind of became my jam that just helped me continue on national level or on section level or on state levels to get involved and have confidence that I could do it. Awesome. Well, I have to say it's a little uh, side note. We almost had the opposite moves because oh, really? um, I went from Seattle, growing up in Seattle, to going to school in Youngstown, Ohio, to then living in Reno, Nevada. Oh my goodness. And now I'm in, so we were flip-flopping back we and forth. We were doing this, exactly. Oh that my goodness, so that's awesome. So I just had to laugh on that. Um, but second, I love that one, you had a mentor early on that basically said, hey, you'll be a great PT, but like an even better leader. I feel like we need more mentors like that, pushing people saying, hey, I see this in you, keep going and like push hard into it because you'll be a great leader. I love that you had that early on. Yeah, and I would say as I've 
really recognize that, I just, you know, it's like pass it forward. Or when people ask me, wow, what are you going to do when you're off the APTA board? It's like, my goal is for the next year and a half to help leave it in a better place than it was when I got there. So now that I'm treasurer, it's like, all right, we have all these processes. We've got a great relationship with the APTA staff. Keep pulling people in that that's what they want. I never, I hate looking backwards. I want to learn backwards, but I don't want to say we're doing it because it's the way we've always done it. And I believe that in leadership too, but we have to tap each other, whether it's your best friend or I pushed on my husband to become a national leader. He's like, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, he did it pretty well. So, you know, and it's just, it's coaxing and pushing. And for those of you that are parents, you know, I had this mantra in my first career as a teacher. I had the best education teacher that said, hey, when you're struggling with a student, or I look at it when I'm struggling in a leadership role or in my, my day job role, think about everybody is about six years old. So everybody's going to push a line, they're going to test you, they're going to push your buttons, mm -hmm. and you're going to need to pull them along and coax them along. But if you do that, and you just bring everybody back to the same human level, you get so much further, and you can help coax people into roles that they may not have thought that they could do. Definitely. I love that. I also, I, I feel like we've heard that a lot as we've interviewed many people throughout the APTA. Everybody we talk to, Josie and I are like, oh, kind of like we're uh, starstruck. We're excited we get to talk to these big names on like the APTA board and like Cindy Miles, the president of the pediatrics section and all of um, all of like the big names you never think you're going to meet or talk to one on one like we are. And they're all like, we put on pants just like you guys. Like, it's yep. we're excited to talk to you. We got the same start as you. So, um, you know, it's it's great to hear that reassurance like over and over and over again, for sure. Good. One thing I also like is that um, you have, I feel like you have a very relatable story because you started in the smaller like state level and took some of those jobs you may not want like PR or organizing CEUs, but it kind of brought you into knowing people and connections and that led you to the APTA board. So you never, you don't have to start with the APTA. You can always start in those state sections. Right. And you're, you're hitting on a really important aspect. There's a lot of people that want to get involved and staging it or not feeling like something you chose to do is beneath you. Um, I've had different, even peers of mine, when we, it's like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to wait for this thing. It's like, don't really wait. I mean, if you, if leadership fuels you, being with people fuels you, making a difference fuels you, then you're, you have to do some stepping stones. You, you, you really don't just jump into your end goal. And that I'm worried that people that want to take that path can become very disappointed and disheartened when they don't get that one thing. Um, for example, being involved in any of the APTA committees or task forces or work groups, you have to put everything into the volunteer interest pool. Got to have a database to start. And, you know, I can think of people over my 10 years on the board that only wanted one thing. And if they didn't get the one thing, they said no to everything else. And it's like, oh man, you'll get to know the staff. You'll get to know people that could speak right. on your behalf, take one of these things, even if it's not a huge thing. So 
that's, I didn't even, you know, when we were, when you asked me to think about, I hadn't even thought about that aspect, but that's really important, especially at the APTA level with over a hundred thousand members. If it's, you know, if it's a committee or something that's fairly small in size, you've got to remember there's a lot of people vying for that, but some of the other things could have huge opportunities. Yeah, definitely. And leadership can have such a wide range of what it can entail and that it's hard to just pigeonhole yourself into one section. If you love leadership and you, like you said, you want to be with people and it fuels you, then pick any different avenue because it's going to lead you to the same spot sooner or later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's one thing that you wish you had known about whether it's um, leadership or leadership skills or anything like that um, once you began your career as a PT? The one thing I wish I would have known, um, I really think that our everything that we've gone through to get our doctorate degree, so much, yes, there's the clinical side and that's what we think about early in our career is really diving in and being a great clinician. But the other side is all of the problem solving and critical thinking and the connection we have to have with our patients and then with our teams to be successful clinicians. I had I didn't put all of that together at the time that quite frankly, I tell people we can do anything. We are really the profession that we could stay as clinicians. We could branch out. We could try new things um, that remember that so but at the same time like we talked about on leadership but even in your clinical role or your mentoring role be patient for the opportunities and know that you're not going to be great at them right away like I probably really was awful in Minnesota on the PR committee because I didn't have a passion I was a body I did what they wanted me to do but I wasn't passionate I wasn't trying to think of new things um you know, if I would have stayed in a long time, it would have probably been a fail, but it's like, okay, I gotta, I've got to pick it up. But failing fast is a beautiful motto that I knew before COVID and now I'm, I'm all in, you know, let's try something. And then if it's not right for you, then find, find something else. And then the other piece that I had no concept of when I first became a PT and started in leadership in Minnesota, a small chapter that the circle of leaders in, in our profession is super, super small. So the people that I met in 1993 in Minnesota, I still cross paths with on many other leadership opportunities or one of them tapped me on the shoulder to say, hey, have you thought about the APTA board? So it goes from just meeting people, knowing people and dipping your toe in to also recognizing 30 years down the road, those people are probably still going to impact you and some way going to be in your circle. So it's really not, I don't think we burn bridges, but it is something to really recognize that once we're here, we all kind of stay. So, you know, um, it's, a, it's a small group of individuals that I think for the most part, we all want everyone to be successful in whatever path they choose. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I like that you said it's super small because that's one thing we're trying to um, change in a way, but not, yeah, just to convince other students and new professionals to grow that leadership aspect of not only the APTA, but just 
the profession as a whole and kind of mold all those areas together. And that's one thing we're trying to do in this season is to not only like spark interest by doing interviews with you and Cindy Miles and a couple other people, but bringing in um, leaders in other aspects. So those who are clinic directors or um, owning their own business or doing outreach activities within physical therapy, because all of that's leadership too. And once you start going into one aspect of leadership, then you kind of opened your world to everything else. Totally agree. And I, you know, in working with all of our new professional PTs, it's like, you're a leader every day. You lead a team. You lead yourself. You probably have someone else in the clinic, care team or whatever, or the front office. That whole team, you've got to lead and direct and guide your patients. So you are, every single day, everyone leads. People choose to do, you know, an and sometimes, or maybe the leadership and is, hey, I, I don't want to do that APTA stuff. Totally great. But I love my community. I love my peds. I love my senior citizens. Can I, can I go do a talk at lunch and talk to a bunch of moms? So all of that's leading. And I think we get um, sometimes pigeonholed into thinking, well, you know, Janine's a leader. She's on the APA board of directors. No, that's just been a leadership trajectory that all of these other things gave me the opportunity to do. But that's that's not the thing. All the other stuff, it just fueled me to be able to say yes and have the time to be able to give to do it. I love that. You're such a, just have all these little pearls of wisdom and I love your energy and everything you're bringing. So I'm so excited we're having you on this podcast. Uh, thank you. As you can tell, I truly, I mean, I do love this. And I just, and I, and I want to make it accessible. You were saying something a minute ago that made me reflect back uh, as APTA board members, a previous thing we did, we were liaisons to different groups. So I was a liaison to the student assembly for about three years. And I remember being in a meeting, it was probably 2017 or 18 at CSM. So a pretty good room of students and they were trying to talk to people about getting involved or think about being on the board. Well, here you've got 33,000 students and a 10 person board. So then we had an open mic and somebody came up and, and she was great. She said, you know, I've got school, I have a little one at home and I want to, I want to be involved. I want to be a leader. Can you give me a snack? Give me something small that I will feel good that I am contributing. And, I, and hopefully, you know, one of the good things over COVID is over the last two years, we've recognized you don't have to be in person. We recognize there are small snippets. We recognize that don't do it all. I don't know, I answered somewhere in there. What have I learned now? Stop doing all of it. Say <laughs> yes to tap on the shoulder and mentor and stop doing. And I've got a story about that, but yeah, the, the stop doing it all so that other people can try is that's my mature Janine thinking back and saying, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. I love that. Yeah. 2020 has taught us a lot, hasn't it? Oh my. <laughs> well, we can my, do things differently. <laughs> definitely. Um, well, you talked about that you have a story for us. So I do. let's get into that story about kind of what you learned from 
slowing down and not doing it all. So uh, a leadership fail or just a lack of recognition. Early in my career, when I was in my California days, um, I had a you know I had the opportunity to be on the California chapter board, but then I had someone that I had met through the association said, hey, I was in a private practice. They're like, hey, you know, I really think you should look at this rehab hospital they're building and they're looking for somebody that I think has your skill sets. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm just coming off not being a clinician and I've only been in private practice. Like, no, 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 encourage me. Meet with the CEO. I took my my current job is my favorite job. I took my second favorite job that um, I was in when I met my husband and had to leave the state to move to Ohio. But um, it was interesting. We were building an outpatient department, a pool. It was like, I felt like I was building a playground for all new therapists. It was super exciting. My role was executive director of executive clinical director. So I reported directly to the CFO who was a speech and language pathologist by training. Oh, awesome. And I'm downstairs, we're getting close to the build out being done, having the site surveyors come. And I don't know, it's probably 7.30 at night and I'm doing all this stuff. I'm probably sweeping or trying to do X, Y, and Z. And I go back upstairs and the CEO sees me. He's got his arms crossed. He's like, what are you doing? I go, oh, well, da, 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 da. he goes, how many managers do you have down there? I'm like, I don't know, four or five. How many other people are down there? I don't know a lot, our facility. And so he questions me, I'm, I'm not getting it. I'm like head down, manic. I'm going to make sure it's done and I'm going to do it. <laughs> he made me sit down. He's like, you're not allowed to go back down there. He goes, Janine, you're in this role. I need you to lead, have vision and stay on top of things. You have to stop doing because if you keep doing everybody else's jobs, one, you're going to burn out. And I don't want that for you as a human. And then two, you're not going to be good for me because you're supposed to be in an executive role that's now doing more strategy and planning as the overall campus and not just downstairs. And it was like, whoa. I mean, I probably went home crying that night, but because, <laughs> you know, you, I felt like I failed and I did, but I didn't even know I was failing. And it took somebody to be clear to me, to explain all the way through what they were saying. Because I think a different leader could have said, Janine, will you just stop that? I don't know why you're doing it. And then you keep doing it because you didn't understand the why. The why made total sense. And it was hard to listen to. And it was really hard to change. I had to ask my team that reported through me to say, hey, guys, I'm not leaving you, but I got to do these things. And they were great about it. I said, well, if I start doing you got to tell me, oh, and they love doing that. So but I had to have, you know, I call them accountability buddies, whatever. I still do that today. I have to have trusted people that I can say, here's what I'm trying to do. Please let me know if I'm deviating from this overarching goal. So it was a lesson early in my um, work executive leadership role to keep me, keep remembering that fact that you can't do it all. And when someone comes to you to explain that to you and they don't give you the why, ask. And when they give you the why and you feel a little bad, it's okay, it goes away. And then you grow from the experience. Every little bit of growth kind of hurts at some point, right? Absolutely. <laughs> some more than others. 
I'm so glad you learned that early on in your career too. I was lucky enough, my first job when I was back in Nevada, I was trying to do it all. I started as a tech there and in the process of like a month and a half, we, I trained a new tech. We lost two therapists. So I had to train another therapist and our front desk staff, like our main one left. So then I had to train a new front desk staff because I was the only one who knew all the jobs. <laughs> and my clinic director at the time, like noticed all this. He's like, Natalie, you're, you're two months into practicing. Like you need to stop. I was like, but nobody else knows how to do any of this. How, how am I supposed to stop? But like you said, it was the same thing. Like if somebody didn't say, okay, we'll sit down with the tech and teach him how to do it or sit down with this person. So you don't have to do it. Then I would have probably just kept going. Right. Oh. And, and I think, um, especially today, we as human beings are more fragile than I think we probably, that I know I was at that point, and maybe you when you were in Nevada and, you know, be, be brave. And, you know, when you feel like you are doing it, if this resonates with anyone, when you listen to it, if you feel like you're doing it, go ask questions or, you know, figure out a nice stepping stone to be able to begin to pull back from doing it all. And so that both parties understand, because if you just stop cold turkey and you don't tell your team, whatever that team is, then people are just going to really wonder. So it's got to be a, a verbal. And you and I both had beautiful experiences early in our careers to understand that. Definitely. Man, people are going to get so much from this interview. I'm so excited to send this out and give everybody just all this little bits of wisdom that you're giving us. Oh, I appreciate um, that. <laughs> well, what skill do you think, since you've been a leader in many different aspects and um, whether it be in teaching in a state level and PT school, all of the above up to now where you are at the APTA board, what skill do you think is the most important or like one or two skills that you think are the most important to be an effective leader? Listening and patience. Definitely. <laughs> um, and they go together, but they're really not the same. And I also have learned this over 30 years, but listening means to hear the person and not formulate your question. Just, just purely listen. And then when you're like, hey, wait, can you repeat that? Because you were so much listening that you know you've got a question, but you're not sure what it is, then ask again. But really listen to understand. Um, we have uh, leadership development um, pathways at, at our company. And, and one of our person who leads all of those, she calls it ninja listening. So it's truly listening to understand and to be able to ask the next level conversation. But before I could listen really well, I had to learn more patience because <laughs> I am totally type A and just get it done and get it off my plate. So if you listen to this whole podcast, you're gonna hear a theme that you grow, you grow over time. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, those two things make me feel calm too because I don't always have to solve it. It's okay to wait to the next day. Mm. So. You know, listening and patience are a number one, but my most favorite quote over the last two years, a Brene Brown quote, and I don't remember when I first heard it, it was just like, oh, to be clear is to be kind because I am, um, my nature is super direct. Like 
I had to learn that edge. So the listening and patience helped me to back up a little bit from, you know, you ask me a question and I'll tell you, but sometimes people are asking the question and they want to be told a little nicer than what might first come out of my mouth. Um, Sharon <laughs> Dunn and myself became great friends over the last many years. And, you know, we always said, she's the nice one and Janine will tell you what to do. So, but <laughs> together, together, and we'd laugh about it and people knew what they were going to get when they came to each different board member with the same question. Um, but I have now, I work at it daily to pull back what is just my innate personality to understand each person needs something different. But it doesn't mean that you can't be uber clear. You're asked a question, you can answer the question, even if it's not what everybody wants to hear. But if you know you're not going to deviate from the answer, answer the question. Sugarcoating it or saying something halfway because that just makes it all mucky. I mean, you just don't even know where you are. And then the next day, the poor person comes back and has conjured up all of their own ideas versus just clearly saying, no, you know what? I expect you to see two patients a day. One, no, I mean two. You know, and I'm picking a silly number because that's not what we're talking about. But just be clear. So listen, have patience and be clear. And you will go a very long way. I am definitely writing down that quote and putting it like front and center in my planner because that I also need that reminder. I'm the person in the friend group who's like, oh, hey, Natalie, this person needs to be told this. Like you might want to give them a talk. <laughs> but um, I also like how or this kind of relates back to one of our books that we're currently reading because um, as part of this leadership season, we're doing little book clubs. So Josie okay. and I are reading different leadership or quote unquote, like self-help books and giving our honest review on the book and like what we learned and like our biggest takeaways for students to say, hey, that sounds like a book I wanna read or that maybe is not a book for me. And the first book we read was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And that's one thing they talked about was if you're not clear and direct, you don't have to be rude about it, but then nobody's on the same page and then things aren't getting done because everybody assumes that everything is getting done in different ways. And so as long as like you're direct and even if it may not be the most nicest thing to say, it's still like the thing that needs to be said and you can say it in a clear and kind way still. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is making me think of something that I hadn't thought through about this discussion is you know, really understanding your team. There are so many different, you know, disc profile, Enneagram, insights, the color profile that a lot of um, APTA groups use. I, there are, there's probably hundreds I don't, or strength finders. I don't care, pick something, you know, especially even in your work. I, I reflected back to when I moved to Ohio and my husband, the guy I met on the dance floor, we moved, I moved to Ohio and he has three clinics and he's a 50-50 business partner in three outpatient clinics. And, you know, I know him and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, we're, we get, this is how we run the practice. And then his business partner was very different. And I learned about six months in, it's like, whoa, do you know you have three practices, three locations with three different personalities? So 
I had everybody do the quick and dirty color profile because you can do it in five minutes. And I was like, oh, now I understand. This is, this is what's happening. And, you know, that allows you to use a language with your team, your leadership team, your clinic team to say, hey, Natalie, I know that's your primary personality, but it made me uncomfortable. It's like, oh yeah, you need, you need this. And it's not that you changed, it's the recognition and the pause and the understanding. We do this on the APTA board as well. Probably every three or four years, you know, the president kind of chooses how do we want to get to know each other? But it does give you a lot of, whoa, okay. So when I'm going to interact with the, these individuals, I need, to, I need to be me. I need to be clear. I need to be honest and authentic. But I know if I can, you know, understand where they're coming from, we're going to be successful more quickly. Yes, definitely. And that works with a team of the APTA board, a big team in an organization, or um, I just became an APTA certified CI. Oh, so yeah. we talked about the color profiling too, and how you might be one way and your student might be the other way, but how would they, how can they uh, take your feedback and actually use it to be a better clinician? Or how can you take their feedback so you can be a better CI? So even that is a team or a leadership position, even though it's not on a board. Yep. And I'll repeat it. Every day in your clinical world, you're a leader. Mm -hmm. You're leading your patient and probably somebody else in the mix of that day to get meet your patient's needs. So understanding each other, whatever, whatever feels good to you, because they all feel a little different. But I would say I think everyone resonates with some type of that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I know you mentioned Brene Brown. Um, so since we're doing the leadership self-development books, what has been your favorite leadership or self-development book that you've read that we may take um, and read for our season? Well, Brene Brown has a ton and I just resonate with her and her leadership style, but Dare to Lead, I think is it, it resonates, it, it's easy to understand. I laugh, um, our chief people officer that I mentioned earlier that runs all of our training and things, she's just all, you know, one of the, what is it, the four skill sets. One is rumble with vulnerability. So sometimes we'll be on a call and she's like, all right, I'm ready to rumble. And it's like, and she's got like the nicest side and I'm usually the direct one. I'm like, all right, I'm liking this. We can use Renee Brown and we can rumble a little bit. So it's those things that connect you in your bigger, small group. So you're using the same terms because sometimes to me, rumble, I'm like, oh, I'm all in. And rumble to somebody that's a little softer is just them saying, all right, I'm ready to get uncomfortable, which is the vulnerability part. So it, whatever the book, I also love podcast listening. Steve Anderson um, is a past PPS president and, and retired CEO, but he does a series. And what I love about his series, they're not all PTs. It's just leadership in general, but the person doing the interviewing is and was a PT for years. So you get some of those nuances around dealing with people. Yeah. And the other thing that I do is I, you know, I'm not as much of an avid reader. I'm more of a in-person. So I also do something called Vistage. It's a monthly group of 15 
and there's no other PT in my group. There's all industries and we get together to, okay, learn, we'll have guest speakers, process issues. There are multitude of opportunities depending on what fuels you. Some people are listeners, some people are readers, and some people need to get involved. Just search leadership training or leadership group opportunities in your area. And that could be chamber, that could be Rotary Club. I've been in both, but it's just finding, you know, finding your tribe, finding what fuels you to continue yeah. to grow. Well, if I can ever get my husband to move to Seattle with me, I'm definitely um, going to meet up with you because you are speaking my language through this entire thing. I'm also not a reader. I have said in the first couple episodes, I have to force myself to read some of these books, but it's pushed, it's giving me a good goal. So at least I'm trying to work towards learning to read, but I um, will probably reach out to you to learn more about what you're doing every month. Cause that sounds so fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm on the APTA board. So any of you listening, my information's there. I'm happy to talk to you. You know, my, my one mantra for, it's not about being a new grad. It, it's just being, it's being about who you are in your professional career. But I always ask people when they're thinking, I just, either getting a little down or you can tell that something's going on. I'm like, all right, here's the deal. You've got to love 80% of your work week. You can actually dislike the other 20%, but when you can't love 80% of what you're doing, then start with the question, why? Why don't I? Is it, is it fixable? And then work through those steps. And when you get there and it's like, no, I, I don't even like 40%, then be okay with yourself to pick your head up and professionally think about what would bring you 80% joy because we all have to have joy so that we can enjoy our personal side of our world. Definitely. I love that's a good uh good way to put it for sure. Yeah. Well I feel like you've given us just a million pieces of advice throughout all of this. Um but as we kind of tie everything together, do you have any like final pieces of advice regarding leadership that you would give to a student PT or a new professional? Lean in and learn, 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 learn. Just you should always feel like you want to know something new. And I don't, it can be clinical. It can be about your family. It can be about your community. It can be about leadership, but just continuously be a sponge. And it's good to ask why. But if you're going to ask why, listen to the answer. Don't be my 11-year-old son years and years ago that was the why kid that you could never have him stop asking why because he wasn't processing and listening. Said earlier, we can, we can connect the dots, we can process information. So ask why, take the time to learn and love what you do. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much, Janine. It's been just an absolute pleasure getting to know you and having you on our podcast. I'm sure we'll have you back on because there's just so much we could learn from you. Absolutely. And Natalie, thank you for asking me. And I, I, I can't wait to meet you in person at some upcoming meeting in the future. Oh, it'll happen. I'm promised. <laughs> yes, it will. Yes, it will. Thank you so much, Natalie. I appreciate you have a you wonderful here. night, Janine. I'll be finding okay. you on uh, social media because we'll, we need to get connected. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank okay. You. Have, have a great night. night. Bye-bye.
Like I said in the beginning, Janine is just full of so much wisdom, and I loved every single minute talking to her during this podcast. I hope she inspired you as much as she inspired me. And like always, if you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode, and leave a review so that more of our friends can join us next time. Till next time, friends.